nights we've got together. So we've got two nights together. I'm doing both uh, sessions. And I just believe that God wants to talk about the promise and the counterfeits. That's our subject that we're looking at. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. So tonight we're looking at the promise. Tomorrow we're going to be looking at the counterfeits. Uh, just a little bit about myself. So I am from Brighton. Uh, it's not where I was born, but it's where I went for university. And I've stuck around 17 years later. I'm still there. I'm leading, uh, we are a multi-site church. We've got sites in different parts of the city. And I lead one of those sites. One of the elders look after children's and youth work and other bits and pieces too. Um, am I booming? Is it me. Is it me? Is it better? Stop moving. That's not going to happen. Okay. And um, I am also a dad and I am a husband to my the, the most beautiful woman in the world who I love with all my heart. She's awesome. She's up there on the top of the corner. And that's my six children. I have six kids. Uh, my wife wanted um, two kids and I wanted four. And so we have six. It worked out really well. Nice compromise there. So it was good. So yeah, we've got six kids and we're not having any more, apparently. I don't know. And uh, so, but I love them dearly and they're lots and lots of fun. And I'll talk a bit, little, about, little bit about them as we go on uh, this evening. And so, um, I would like, I'm going to pray again for us in a minute. Uh, but before I do, let me tell you, we are looking at the promise uh, this evening. That's the first thing we're looking at. So we skip to the promise of the counterfeits. We're looking tonight at the promise. And uh, the promise I'm talking about is the promise that God has made to us to forgive us and to save us. And uh, you would have heard that many times. You've even sung about it this evening. Uh, you guys, uh, you strike me as kind of church youth. Maybe maybe someone's dragged you along here. But most of you are from churches where you're from youth groups. You hear about the gospel all the time. About the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us. And the promise he has to forgive us from all our wrongdoing. All the wrong things we've said, thought and done. And uh, all I want to do tonight is go back over that. You think, why? We, we know it's just the basic stuff. Well, you know what? You can never hear the gospel enough and learn how to apply it to our lives. And I really want to try and push it deep into our minds and to our hearts. And that's what I've been praying uh, for you guys. That God would do that in these couple of days. That you would take the gospel that you might know already, but it would go sink deeper into your heart and into your mind. We never get too mature for the gospel. We never get too far past that amazing promise that God has made for us. So I'm going to speak tonight and tomorrow night. But I want you to know... You can come and talk to me at any point over this weekend. Feel free to come and just talk to me. Like, hey, Stephen, can I talk to you about some of the stuff you're talking about? Or just like to tell you about my favorite football team, whatever. I'm here this weekend just to serve you or pray for you, whatever you want. I know that with the heart, with any of the guys with black t-shirts, we just want to serve you uh, the best we can. So hopefully I'm going to do that, though, as I speak these two evenings. So we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. It's there on the screen. I'll read it in a sec. Basically, this is uh, a bit of a letter that a guy called Paul wrote, Apostle Paul, again, you've probably heard of him, wrote lots of the New Testament. And he's writing to a church, it's, it's his second letter of these written to them. First one was, can I tell them off? Because I guys, come on, sort it out. This isn't how you're supposed to live. This isn't what the Christian life is about. And the second one hits him saying, hey guys, well done for sorting it out. There's still stuff you need to sort out, but remember, it's all about the gospel. And in this letter, he describes how um, living for Jesus... How leaning on the promise has changed his life. He suffers in amazing way, the Apostle Paul. He gets shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned and, and almost killed and all kinds of stuff because of this promise that he believes in. Because when you believe the gospel, when you really understand the promise and you trust in it, I saw me saying earlier about Jesus being the cornerstone, that foundation that we stand upon. It changes the way we think and it changes the way we act. He's saying, look, that's changed my life. It needs to change yours as well. And he gets this bit in the letter. It says this. 
But surely as God is faithful, our message to you is yes, sorry, is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, as his buddies, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And just that last verse I want to look at. Go on, let's go skip, skip to the next slide. We're going to zone it into it. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. He's saying these promises, these things that we have preached, preached to you, Jesus says yes. These are for you. These are for you. When I say yes, I mean yes. I don't mean yes and no, maybe. I mean yes. And then all God's people can say, Amen. We agree. We get this for us. Boom. Okay. And I'm praying that tonight, that you hear the great yes of the gospel, and then say, boom, amen. That's for me. And lots of you maybe have made a commitment for Jesus already. But tonight, I just opportunity to say, yes, God, I'm trusting this again. I want to live my life built upon this promise. I want to pray as well. Why don't you just bow your heads and just quieten your hearts. Let us pray first. Father, we just thank you so much for your gospel. It is good news to us. And I just want to pray this news will come afresh to us. Where it's maybe got a bit old and dull. Or we've become a bit complacent, a bit familiar with it. Lord, I pray, would you give it a freshness tonight as we look at it. Lord, thank you that you want to speak to each and every person here. Why don't you just, where you are right now, just say, God, speak to me. Amen. God answers that prayer. When we say, God, speak to me, he does. It's a great thing. Sometimes it's just a sense. Sometimes it's an audible thing. Sometimes it's a picture. But God can speak to each and every one of us. And that's my prayer for you guys as we go through this. So God's promises are yes. They are certain and they are sure. But that is in in a stark contrast to our world, which is far from certain. This world and this life, they are uncertain. And for me, as I get older, I feel like the world is becoming more and more uncertain, more shaky and crazy. In the last few years, you've had elections where people predicted what was going to happen, and they've all gone the other direction or gone some other different direction. But I can't quite predict it. There have been terror attacks, haven't they, even this year? Scary things we're seeing on our televisions. They're thinking things just don't seem safe and secure in our nation anymore, let alone around the world in other places. Things seem to be very shaky. Who you say safe as houses? People say things like that, don't they? Even houses aren't safe. You see that tower block, I'm absolutely grieved by what happened in London. They still haven't, I don't know how many people are dead there. And that's just affecting me all this week. Just so struck by, oh God, those people, don't know, some of them not knowing you, just went to bed and they didn't wake up the next morning. It's so uncertain. We don't know whether we'll make it through even to the next day. Political things uh, are up in, up in the air. Financial things. You guys, when you were a bit younger, maybe you don't remember it, we went through the credit crunch. You know, everything, everyone's houses prices were going up, things were getting richer, everyone's getting more affluent, all that kind of stuff. Every generation had more money than before. That's just not the case anymore. Now people are poorer and have more debt. Things are going in the opposite direction. But we shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus tells us that the world, uh, there would be trouble and would be shakings. He says this in Psalm 103. As for man, his days are like grass. 
He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. I was going to try and find a dandelion. Um, you know, dandelions turn into the, the dandelion clock, that's what it is. But everyone's been mowed today, I think. So I was going to blow it and go, whoo. And uh, we're like flowers in the wind as they get blown away. We're here just for a moment. And then we're gone. The things that we build and put our trust in, they're like that as well. They're just there for a moment, but then they're gone. What about this from the book of James? Next verse. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town, like Lowestoft or Stoke-on-Trent or wherever you guys are from, and spend a year there and trade and make profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We can so walk through life thinking, oh yeah, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I know what I'm going to do next week. I've got my GCSEs planned out. I know what I'm going to do A-levels. I know what job I want to do. I know we're going to live and do this and the other. Actually, God, he says to us, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Our life is like a vapor, like smoke. It's there for a moment, but then it's gone, just disappears into the air. He's not saying these things aren't real, just that they are temporary. So this world and this life are uncertain, but also, let's have a look one, we are also uncertain. We are also unreliable. I change from one day to other. I go to bed sometimes feeling happy with my life, and I wake up the next day just in a foul, grumpy mood. It's like, what's going on? It's like, I've not enough sleep. What's, what's going on? I'm just, I just change from time to time. Things I like change. Do you know the song by um, Rag and Bone Man? Human. That song? I'm only human after all. Know that song? When that song came out, I was like, man, this is the best song I've ever heard in my whole entire life. And I, I played it like 50 times in a row. I don't kid, I kid you not. It drives my wife nuts. Whenever I find a new tune, I just play it over and over and over again. I hear it now, I'm just like, oh, I hate that song. It bugs me so much. It's like, we just, we just change. Our tastes change. We're not consistent in that way. Or we have friends who we like. We really, we really get on with it. Oh, this person I've got great chemistry with. But you just drift apart and you find new friends. Just life changes, different phases, that kind of stuff. We are changeable people. We're not like God. God is sure and firm. He never changes. We as people, we change as we go into different situations and different places, as we grow up into different age groups as well. Even when we try to stay stable and right and reliable, even then we still mess up. Because we're so far from perfect. We've all got flaws. Turn to the person next to you say, you've got some flaws. You have all got flaws. We all get stuff wrong. I, before I worked for our church, was a garden landscaper. And uh, and I ran this company with my brother. My brother still runs his company. Very successful landscaping company. I employs lots of people. It's a great company. But when it was me and him, it was just me and him, and it wasn't always successful. We didn't always do a great job. We were still learning and bits and pieces. There's one particular job. Someone called and said, uh, hi Stephen, I'd love you to come and look at my front lawn. The grass has gone really kind of dry and uh, brown, and I think we just need a new lawn. I said, no worries, I'll send Paul out to come and to give you a quote. He's like, okay, well I'm not going to be in, but it's, it's the front garden, just measure it up and let us know what you think. So my brother went along, he measured it up, and um, he came back, we wrote up the quote, sent the customer a quote, they said, yeah, that price is fine, come and do it. And we put in, they're like, we're not around first thing in the morning, but just film free of the front garden, just get on with it. Just start laying it, no problem. We said, excellent, no problem. We turn up. Me and my brother, we rip out this dry uh, kind of uh, uh, grass, this garden, just rip out all the turf, take it on the flower beds, and we start rotivating it over, and then baking it, and then compacting it, and then putting some new topsoil down as well. And then we start getting these fresh rolls of turf, and we start rolling out on the ground. 
Then the customer turns up. And uh, she, she drives up. She just parks outside. She winds down her window. She says, hi, Steve. I said, hi. You guys are right? They're like, well, yeah, we, we are. I said, like, oh, you sure? They're like, do you, do you know that's not our house, right? And we're like, what? Yeah, no, we're not two doors. We're, we're two doors down. And somehow, between me and my brother, we have messed up the number of the house. And so he quoted the wrong house, and then we started the job in the wrong house. And we have ripped out someone's garden who we do not know, and who is not there. And we are now, we are, we are so far in at this point. It was like, but I just finish it then. And so we work very hard that afternoon to get it sorted, trying to scarf as quickly, quickly as we can before these people come home. And uh, we get it done. And uh, through lots of giggles, get the garden. It looks pucker. I mean, we've done a great job on this garden. And we just left. And uh, we never know what happened to that person and that garden. I can't imagine them coming home that day thinking, what? Someone's, someone's read the Lord. And I just thinking, please let them have prayed. God, if, you, if you're really there, redo my garden or something. And maybe it was a miracle, who knows. Um, but but we, we make mistakes. Even when we try our best and do our best, we can still go off course. We are so uncertain. We're un- so unsure. We just mess stuff up. I hurt people who I love all the time, accidentally. I talk too much. And I'm too mocking and joking. I had to say sorry all the time. I'm thinking, I love these people. I'm, just, I'm still hurting them and making a right mess of it. As a people, we praise people who are consistent and diligent. We say, oh, that person, they're so just always there doing the right thing. Because it's not very common. Because most of us are a bit changeable. Particularly my generation and your generation. I think we are, we're very flippant with what our commitments are. You know, we're often looking out for the next better thing to do. Like people say, oh, do you want to come around to this thing, this, this thing? You're like, yeah, maybe. Thinking, unless I get a better offer type thing. And then everything. well, people say, can you get there, get there at this time? You're like, yeah, I will. Because we've got mobile phones, you can cut no, just like, well, it'll be 10 minutes later, just let them know. I think, whereas the, the generation before us, they had to get there on time because there was no mobile phones. Whereas we kind of just like, we can just be changeable in that way. It's a good thing, but it could be a bad thing too. But this message, this message is not about our lack of faithfulness. This is about God's utter faithfulness, about his total certainty and sure footedness that we can trust him and we can trust his promise. We can trust his promise that he will forgive those who put their trust in him. God is certain and reliable. Paul is saying to his church, people don't always say what they mean. Or they might mean at the time, but they don't then follow through. But God is not a man. When he says yes, that is what he means. When God agrees to do something, he does not go back on it. Let's look at this next verse. Oh, it's not there. It's not there. I'm sorry, I'll read off here. Uh, It says this from Numbers. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and he will not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God is immovable and indestructible. He's not like us. He doesn't change because he wants to. He doesn't change because he can't keep, keep, keep steady. No, he is utterly unshakable, immovable, and indestructible. I love the words that the Bible uses about him. He uses that word, rock. Rocks that stay firm. Fortresses that you can't get into. He's eternal. It doesn't end. It doesn't change. He's an anchor. He's a foundation. There's all these words that give us just a little glimpse into the immovability of God. We're not like that. We are totally movable and changeable by the circumstances that we find ourselves in when things are tough. And I love when you read about the Apostle Paul because he is unswerving. He, got, he understands this promise that when bad circumstances come along, he stands on the promise anyway. We're not always like that. 
I went for a walk with my family recently, all six kids and my wife. I went with another family and their three boys. And we went walking through this wood, a muddy day, all got weddings on, that kind of stuff. And we stopped and they're playing on these tree trunks up in this bank and that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, come on guys, we need to carry on with our walk. As everyone starts making their way back down. And my four-year-old daughter, beautiful little redhead, she said, oh dad, can you help me down the bank? I said, no, 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 just jump and I'll catch you. She said, Daddy, Daddy, I don't trust you. Uh, you. You might drop me. So I give this speech to everyone there. I'm like, Miriam, I'm strong and I'm steady. You can trust your dad. I've got you. You jump and I can catch you and I'll hug you and it'll be great. She's like, oh, okay, Daddy. Full of this, no Phyllis. She jumps and I just step forward to catch her. But as I step forward, I just slip in this bit of mud and kind of grab her, and I don't drop her so much as smack her into the ground and land on top of her. Face first, in the mud, scrapes on elbows, scrapes on knees. And I'm just like, oh, oh, how not to win your child's trust. And everyone else is just standing there, just going, oh. And one of my sons pipes up, yeah, I told you she'd never trust Dad. I was like, the pain, the pain. The reality is, we are immovable. We get things wrong. God never gets things wrong. He always catches us. His promises always stay true, no matter what, through thick and thin. He is certainly immovable and indestructible. He's also certain because he is the king of kings. If a king promises you something, you know that he can back it up. Because they're normally rich and they have authority and all that kind of stuff. If your mate standing next to you said to you, on your next birthday, I'm going to give you 10 grand, look at your mate next to you, you're probably thinking, what are you, what are you playing at? What's the trick? What's the catch? I don't believe you. I don't think you've got 10 grand. I'm looking at most of you thinking, you're pikeys. You haven't got 10 grand. So, and that's basically, take the hit, guys, come on. And uh, he's just basically saying, you wouldn't really trust that. But if the Queen of England walked in here and she said, oh, hello, how are you doing? And she said, uh, I'm going to give you 10 grand on your next birthday. You're thinking, why is the Queen saying this to me? And she's saying publicly, I know if she's got the cash to back it up, I would believe her. And there's a promise that comes from someone with royalty and authority and resource that you can then believe. And God has all authority. He's the King of Kings. And everything belongs to Him. So when He promises us something, we know that He can fulfill it. Where's Ben? Come and join me, Ben. Ben, everybody! 30 Maltese Ben. Ben, have you got my 20 pound note? Can I just borrow it a sec? Is that right? So, Ben has actually also been made a promise by the Queen. If you put the picture, if it's a picture of the 20 pound note, great. Ben, can you read what it says under the Bank of England? Can you read what it says? Yes, I, I, uh, sorry, I promise, I promise to pay the bearer on demand, the sum of £20. And this is, this is signed, actually, by the, the Queen's chief cashier, Andrew Bailey. And he's trying to say, this isn't... Because this, this piece of paper actually isn't actually worth £20. But it's from the Bank of England. And they're saying, if you do this, then we're going to give you £20. This is why it's worth this. There's a promise there that says, this is what it's worth. So when you've got a bit of money in your hand, you're like, what's well, the promise from the Queen? It's a promise from the Bank of England that I can have £20. Thank you, Ben. Sit down. You have £20. That's the promise. And he, when, he made, when a promise is made to you, you can trust it. You can go, actually, this £20, I can trust this, and I can then for use it. 
It's just got a signature saying that we can use it. And the promise that that made is, is, is nice. You think, oh, I know this is worth 20 quid, therefore I can go and spend it on one again. I could go and buy 20 fidget spinners or whatever you would buy with 20 quid. Please don't buy 20 fidget spinners. That would be a waste of money. Um, yes. But God's promises, they're, although they're, kind of, it's, they're firm, like that, 20 pounds, 20 pounds in your hand. Think, Actually, this is really tangible. I can really use this. It's not just a, a thing that I heard about a church. No, these promises are things that we can use. And these promises are certain forever. Now, the reality is that £20 note, Ben might lose that on the way home. It could get washed in the washing machine. Although, if you've got a fiver, you can wash, washing, wash it in the washing machine. It won't be destroyed. Although, you can't tumble dry them. A bit of fact for you there. But, but a £20 note can get destroyed. Okay, or they can get lost. But God's promises are sure and firm. And they last forever, right through into eternity. The gospel is indestructible. And uh, whether you hold it tightly, can we move to the next note? Whether you hold it tightly or lightly. Now, Ben could take his £20 note and he could hold it with a clenched fist. He's like, I believe this is to be true. He could equally just hold it between a thumb and a finger and it'd still be just as useful. He could walk into a shop and grab it and think, oh, I've got, I'm holding it tightly, I really believe it. Or he could hold it with a finger and thumb. It doesn't matter. And maybe you're here today thinking, I kind of understand some of the promises that God has made, but I don't understand it all. Do you know what? You don't have to understand very much. You don't need to understand that Jesus is real. He's the son of God. That he loves you. That he died for you. That he rose again. And he's asking you to come to him. And ask him for forgiveness for the wrong that you've done. It's very simple truth. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And if you believe that, you know what? That promise is as true as it is for the person who knows their Bible back to front. And I work with some people who know their Bibles so crazily well. And I mentioned a verse. I'm like, where's that verse that says something about blah, blah, blah. They're like, they know where it is. And I'm rubbish at learning verses. I'm rubbish about knowing where they are. And I have to work quite hard. And it's worth working hard, let me tell you. It's worth getting to know it better. But you don't need to know it better to receive the promise. You can just hold it just a little bit. And it's still yours. I don't really understand it all. You don't need to understand it all. You just need to understand just enough to hold it and enjoy it and, and uh, receive it. In the same way, to spend that £20 note, some people know all things about ISAs and FTSE 500 and they know about banks and bonds and shares and all that kind of stuff. And some people know nothing about any of that stuff. You know what? That £20 is just as valuable for both those people. The reality is some people know lots about the gospel. But they don't hold it at all. They just look at it and study it, but they never actually trust it. That's even worse. Don't get to that position. Hold it with you. Hold it tightly or lightly. The gospel is true for you. It's not dependent upon who you are as well. Jesus' gospel is, um, is for all people. When Jesus wore the earth, he spent time with prostitutes. He spent it with corrupt tax collectors. He spent it with politicians and religious leaders. People from all walks of society. Reaching out to them, telling them the good news of why he came. The same is true for us. Love the words we had earlier. Saying, you know what? God cares about us. We're not needles in haystacks that we can't be found. No, he's found us. He's got a spot on us. And there's not one person here that God doesn't care about. There's not one person here that God's not offering the promise of salvation to. No one is an outsider. Who are you in your social group? Are you the rich one? Are you the popular one? Are you the ugly one? The stylish one? The poor one? The smelly one? The awkward one? The extrovert? The introvert? Do you fit in? Or do you feel on the outside? Whoever you are, this gospel is for you.
Whoever holds a £20 note can use it. You don't have to qualify to use a £20 note, do you? The reality is that £20 note I gave Ben is it's quite an old one, actually. So it's probably been around thousands of thousands of people. All kinds of people. People maybe who've got a million pounds. People who have very little. People who people look up to. Maybe people who, other people who are despised. That is for anyone. The same is true for you. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, that £20, that promise can be you, yours. It's not dependent on who you are. It's also not dependent upon what you have done. Hannah, come join me. Hannah, everyone. No, 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 one of these flaps. Hannah, so you got nine Maltesers in your mouth. And uh, you, you seem pretty pleased with that. I think it's fair to say the rest of us think that's pretty lame. Um, what can you do? But do you know what? Jesus promises for you as well. Even though you are the loser today, that actually Jesus loves you. Do you know that? And you know what? His promise is for you as well. Actually, he loves you. Isn't that great? Even though you didn't win today. And do you know what? I also quite like you as well. And when I chose you, I had something for you as well. I also had a very bad note. Now, to have this £20 note, what do you think you've got to do for it, Anna? What, what am I going to get you to do for it? Are you nervous? You should be. Okay, so, Ben had to win his £20 note. He's a winner. He's got £20. He's got that promise from the Queen that he's now got £20 the Bank of England will give him if he presents it to them. For you to have this £20 note, all you've got to do as a loser is take it from my hand. Thank you, Hannah. It doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter what you've done. You may be the most successful person in life. You may be the most godly person in life. Got your life all saw. You know what you're doing. You know how to read your Bible and pray and, and look after other people and preach the gospel. But you know what? That doesn't save you. What saves you is trusting in Jesus. You may be here tonight thinking, you know what I've done this week? I've looked at pornography. I've lied. I've cheated. I've done all kinds of stuff my parents don't even know about. But you know, when you come to Jesus and you say, but Jesus, I trust that when you say that you can forgive me, when I, when I say sorry to you, that I can receive that promise too. And that's true. It's just the same. All you have to do is to take it. You have to admit humbly, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And, and I asked for your forgiveness last week, but I'm asking for it again. And what he says is, no, tough, did it last week. No, he doesn't. He says, yeah, it's yours. It's free. I love to forgive. This promise is for you. The reality is, no matter how bad you feel about the things that you have done, you may some of you are fairly young. I think I've done that much stuff yet. You will. Uh, we all get stuff wrong. We get stuck. We all get to the place where we've done stuff that we feel deeply ashamed of. But you know what? No matter how bad you feel about yourself, you're actually worse than you could ever imagine. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're, wor- you're worse than you could ever imagine. And looking at some of you, some of you are much worse than you could probably imagine. But, but the great thing is, is that Jesus' promise is also better than you can ever imagine. 
It goes deeper and more thorough. His love is wider and higher and and longer than you can ever begin to grasp. And our nature is like this. When we do things wrong, instead of going to Jesus and saying, Oh God, I've got things wrong. Please give me your promise of forgiveness again. What we do is like, oh no, I've got things wrong. Oh, I'll either ignore it or I'll do what Adam and Eve did. What did Adam and Eve do? I heard, this is what Adam says. I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. That's what we do. We hide. We run away. Instead of running to God, we run away from God. And Jesus said, don't do that. If you've had a naff week, don't not go to church. Or don't go to church and feel bad about yourself. No, Jesus said, no, come to me, receive forgiveness, and then walk in joy. I do this all the time. I've had a bit of a bad week. I've been grumpy at my kids. I've messed up. I said, oh, well, I better feel bad for a bit before I can come back to God. It's just, it's just a total lack of understanding of the goodness of the promise. The promise says, no, come to God. Admit you're wrong and receive the promise again. Jesus didn't die for us and say, right, you can be forgiven because I died for you, but also you need to feel a little bit bad as well. Okay, it's not like, okay, that's my things. Uh, ben, back up. If you walk into a shop, can I give you 20 pounds again? You can now play the role of the shopkeeper, Ben. What shop do you want to be in? Poundland. <laughs> Hitting high. I came to Poundland and I said, oh, I've got those 20, 20 quid's worth of pass off Poundland. I said, oh, here's that 20 quid. Um, and also, here's these three pine cones as well. Is that what The guy at Poundland would be like, <laughs> crazy. Who's a crazy dude? Call the manager. Why did you want to add some pine cones to it? It's like that when we come to God. We're saying, uh, God, um, I need forgiveness for my sins. Here's what Jesus has done, his promise. But also, I need to feel bad for a little bit. And uh, I want to call myself some names. And I'm going to stay around. And these are my pine cones. And God's like, I don't want your pine cones. You've got Jesus. You've got his promise. You've got his death on the cross. You can't add to that. It's not, oh, Jesus, you forgive me. Plus, I need to read my Bible a bit more this week. I need to pray a bit more. I need to do some more good works. No, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's only that that matters. Thanks, Ben. Um, mate, come on, pound land. Okay. We don't need to feel bad. We, you know, it's, when we feel bad, sorry, no, it's not we don't need to feel bad. It's when we feel bad, that's the driver to go to God. That's the conscience that God's given us. Like, oh, this stuff's rubbish. I need to go to God and receive his promise again. It's not dependent on what you haven't done. It's not dependent on what you have done. Okay. Let me encourage you. This promise is for us all. There's only one way that you can't receive the promise. And that is if you never actually take it. If Hannah or Ben, if I offer them 20 quid and they said, no thanks very much, then they don't get the promise. That's what it is. It's when you say, no I don't want it. Either because you don't understand how bad you've been. No, I, don't, I don't need forgiveness, thanks very much. Not that bad. You are worse than you could possibly imagine. You are a stench in the nostrils of God. Your sin is. You are his enemy. That's what it says in the Bible. Like he loved you so much that he wanted to make you his friend. Not just his friend, but his family. He wanted to, God wants to be your father. Jesus wants to be your older brother. He wants you to draw it into something so wonderful. But you have to take that from him. You have to receive that promise. Let me encourage you to do that. This verse in 1 John. Uh, let's move on. Oh, okay, keep going. Oh, is it not a verse? There? Okay, fine. This verse says this in 1, 1 John. It says, whoever does not believe God... I does not believe God's promises has made him out to be a liar. Because I have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. When we don't believe in what Jesus has done for us, and not just believe in, but believe on, really take hold of it, then we're calling God a liar. We're saying, that's not good enough. Or that's not relevant for me. 
what you're saying about Jesus is not true and therefore I'm not going to believe in him. Actually, we mustn't reject it. We must take it full-handed. We must grasp it with both hands. And all of us have temptations to just loosen our grip and forget about it. But I'm saying, no, grab it with both hands. Maybe even tonight, just saying, God, I want to renew my sense of just trust in you alone. Not trying to earn it from you. Not trying to feel balanced their way. But actually trust in the promise, which means that no matter what circumstances I face, that I'll stay with it. And life will get hard. Maybe some of you had hard lives, I don't know. But life will get harder as you get older. More circumstances you go through. And all kinds of things will seek to take your attention away from God and who he is and what he's done for you. And you must stay true and say, God, no, I've got to trust you. You said you are good. You said your yes is a yes. Your promise is for me. And therefore, I'm going to say amen. I agree with it and I go for it. The great things in Romans 8 is this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How we not also along with him graciously give us all things. God's saying, I gave you my son. I said yes to that promise. I've followed through. Which means that all those other promises I've made you, but they're kind of lesser ones, you could trust them too. Shall I read some of those promises to you? It says, he says he'll give us a purpose. Yes. I'll give you peace. I'll give you joy. I'll change you to be more like Jesus. I'll set you free. I'll adopt you. I'll call you my own. I'll heal you. I'll take away your burdens and anxieties and worries. And I'll always be with you, whatever you go through. Etc, etc, etc. Lots and lots of promises. We can say, God, thank you that you've given us Jesus. And you promised to give us these things too. I ask the band to come back up. I ask you to quietly stand to your feet. and Just keep your eyes closed just for a moment. opportunity for us to reach out and grab hold of God's promises. Now there's no 20 pound literally to grab hold of in that sense. Actually just by standing most by your hands and saying God I want to receive all that you're promising to me. Maybe some of you need to say sorry tonight for um, trying to add to what Jesus has done. Maybe some of you need to say God I want to receive that promise again tonight. I want to live in the good of it because there's stuff that I've messed up. There's, there's things I've done wrong this week. Maybe you're just thinking, God's just reminding you of things. Things that are troubling you in your heart and spirit. Maybe things you've done that you haven't told anyone else about. As I was preparing this, I felt maybe some people here who have caught in some habits, sinful habits. Things you've tried to break in the past, or even things you've asked God for forgiveness for before. And God's saying, come and bring them to me again. Don't hide yourself away. Don't pretend like those things aren't there. Come and bring them into the light. Come and talk to me about it. And it may be really appropriate that you talk to someone else about it tonight as well. Let me pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you so much that you are a sure and strong and certain God. Now we can trust you with our lives. We can trust you with our sin, with all our wrongdoing. And I pray, help, to, please remove the temptation to hide away or not to put our trust in it. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.